Welcome, 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 welcome back to season one, episode eight of a random MLB podcast. My name is Tommy. I am joined by my friends Greg and my friend Josh. Greg, how are you doing? Doing okay. Um, I am ready to talk baseball today, and I'm also ready to hear where Josh has been. Josh, fill us in. Well, Josh actually, I think, is more excited about this podcast than he's ever been. I'm pretty excited to hear what he's got going because he—I think he was so sad that he missed last week that he's just so amped up to be back this Josh, week. And I, ha- I had a couple before you. I know, Josh, you're, you're ready to jump in, but I had a few people message me on Instagram. Usually, they don't uh, about the account, but they said, "You know, we missed Josh last week. We want to hear what he has to say. He, we, they wanted to hear your power rankings, honestly. Like, uh, a lot, of there's those, a lot of right. There's so, a lot of Josh heads out there. And now, now that you're now that you're back, I want you to tell everybody how you've been, what you're doing, what's going on with you. So sadly, Josh is not back again with us this week. (laughs) Sadly, Josh is missing yet another week of the podcast. We knew this was coming, but uh, it is an unfortunate event that we will be missing. So you will have to listen to just Greg and I. And we promise that this one will not take two hours like the last one did. Hey, but for all of you that stuck around, you know, props to you. You are absolutely what makes us the 189th most popular baseball podcast in Canada. And it shows, honestly. So... Thank yeah, you. no. Thank you to everyone who DM'd us. A happy Marmalejos to you too. That was the little uh, Easter egg we left at the end of the last podcast. So thank you for everyone who got to the end of it and DM'd us. Uh, it was really fun. I was actually excited to see how many people listened to the end. Yeah, no, it's it's. You know what? It no, we know we're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, moving on to this week, we're really excited. Or I think, you know what? I'm gonna be real. We're no more excited this week than we are any week. We're just excited in general. <laughs> and uh, this week, <laughs> we're just excited to talk some baseball. Um, so I think this week what we're going to do is we're going to just talk about kind of like the state of baseball, where it is today after following. Uh, we haven't talked been on the pod since Wade Miley threw his no-hitter, which is the fourth one this season. And then if you're counting Madison Bumgarner, which we'll get into in a minute as well, uh, almost five. And we're going to just talk about where baseball is as, as a sport. Uh, just talk about what's happened since the last time we recorded. And if you've been following along on at random MLB stars, and if you haven't, if you're somehow on this podcast and you do not follow at random MLB stars, one, thank you. But two, go follow the account because that's where you can get all the info about the podcast. Um, but we had a and a going this week. So we took four, uh, four of those questions and Greg and I are going to answer them tonight. Interesting that you, uh, to start off, interesting that you bring up Wade Miley's no hitter, right? The way you talked about it in that brief 30 seconds was telling, right? I remember it was not so long ago that we were on the air live recording when the first no hitter of the season popped off and we were pumped. We were like, here we go. We're on no hitter watch. Like there's like the two outs up to go. We're talking umpire controversies. We're talking everything, right? And right now, you just started talking about Wade Miley. So, yeah, he had the fourth no hitter of the season. You know, we're you know we're, we're on for that. We're ready for that. Like we're talking about that. Like that's. I feel like it's cheapened a little bit. Like we we had four no hitters in the May. Like what's going on here? Well, then we could just jump into it right now. And I think we, that's what we're getting to. I think that's the point. I I don't know where you fall on this, Greg, because you and I really haven't discussed this in detail. 
recently. But I think we're at a point now where, yeah, it has become the game itself has become so much reliant on homers and strikeouts. And it's either it's it's literally that it's X or Y. There seems to be no gray area in baseball anymore. And it's getting to a point where, yeah, you see a no hitter on Wade Miley. Wade Miley throws a no hitter the other night. And, yeah, it was a great performance. I'm happy for Wade Miley. All credit goes to him. But it's sad to an extent because it's not an event anymore. I remember when I was a kid and Randy Johnson threw his perfect game. It was, I think, 2004. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was playing wiffle ball and Randy Johnson was in like the seventh. They were playing the Braves. And I literally like ran upstairs in my house, I ran into my house to watch the end of the game because it was like, oh, my God, is he going to do it? And now I saw I got a notification on my phone that Wade Miley was throwing a no hitter and I was doing something on my computer. I just like kind of threw it on my laptop and had it going on the side because obviously I wanted to see it. But there was no enthusiasm to it at all because it had happened the week before with our boy John Means. Don't want to call us Nostradamus, but we praised John Means on this podcast last week. And then the following day, literally the following day, John Means threw a no hitter. But. Yeah, no, it's become that way, and it's kind of depressing to an extent. It's three, it's three true outcomes. You hear this all the time. Strikeout, home run, walk. That's it. That's what baseball is right now. I haven't seen a single pr- – like, I've watched plenty of baseball this year already. That MLB.TV, like, the new thing they put out with, like, this, like, Sunday ticket. Oh, like, um, it's called – it's basically, like, Red Zone. I think it's called – I don't know the name off top of my head, right. but it's it's essentially like Red Zone. It, it's essentially the, NFL Red Zone. And I've bounced around a bunch of games, uh, a lot of good ones I've seen, but they're good for different reasons because I haven't seen one person bunt with my own two eyes this entire year. I'm sure they have, but I haven't seen it. And I've watched a lot of baseball. Like I saw one I saw one bunt by Joey Gallo where the shift was against him and he actually bunted down the third base line. I was like, too. Thank you, finally that somebody. Too. Maybe I'm an old school person, but like man, I can't I can't stand the shift the way it's taken to the extreme. Like the only shift I know is you know a certain hitter is getting up and you know he likes to pull the ball, so you take it two steps to the left. That you know, come on. Like you put the third baseman in center field. What is this? Like if if everybody, if every team is following this new rule of we have to shift to follow the analytics, doesn't that not create an advantage for you? Because everyone is also doing it. So what's the point? Like I don't I don't get it at all. But like what I'm saying is there's no strategy in terms of offensive hitting. It's hey, up your launch angle to hit it as far as you can and as high as you can. So most of the time, you'll at least get a sack fly or something or a home run. If you strike out, that's okay because we'd rather have you round the bases than just get a single. Like, and I think that's a dumb way of playing baseball because like you get games like where a team can go win twelve to nothing and then also get shut out the next game. Like because they can't string together any hits, so they can't string together a rally. They can't. It, it's like why are we? I don't I don't know where baseball stands with that. And then a no-hitter comes along and it's like, wow, like it, it doesn't seem as hard as it used to be because all these guys are swinging for the fences. That's what it seems like to me at least. I don't know. I, I think if anything I, for me I have the opposite. I think it's kind of showing the deficiencies I think it's showing how hard baseball is because it is the two. It's it's basically it's either you're hitting a home run or these guys are striking out at a rate that is absurd and there is really no more just there's no more slap hitters anymore. It doesn't feel like it feels like that era of baseball is gone. But the issue I think we run into here is that you see a lot of these guys with the three true outcomes. 
I think the way we've, and it's been through analytics, and I am not one of these old men get off my lawn baseball fans (laughs) where it's like anything that isn't like it was in 1920 is wrong. And like, I I openly say how every one of the steroid era guys should be in the Hall of Fame. I agree. Yeah, I I think Barry Bonds, even, I don't even like A Rod, but A Rod, Mark McGuire, Sammy, these guys should be in the Hall of Fame because it's nonsense. The, The reason against it is the comparison points to 1920, even though the entire era was filled with steroids but this is not a steroids podcast one day we will have that podcast and i will be very excited but the issue is becoming now that with these three true outcomes i think you're seeing is that with analytics teams are doing this because they're finding it's the most efficient and most effective way to win so teams are so focused which they should be front offices and teams are most focused on winning but i can understand that to a point because baseball at the end of the day is a business but if you're thinking the terms of business decisions, how smart is this actually? By doing this, I don't want to say ruining, but you're devaluing the product on the field. It's no, it's not as exciting as it used to be. Sure, home runs are great, but when it's either home run, strikeout, home runs. If I can watch a game, and which is the case at this point, I can sit on my couch and watch a game, play on my phone for most of it, kind of just like watch it on the side, and I really don't miss. I, I miss strikes, and I can be very aware for most at bats and kind of not miss much. If you're at that point in a sport. What are we doing? Like, you're ruining the on-field product, and that's where, as a league, and that's where I assume what Rob Manfred stands, if you're not a team looking to make money off of your team making a run to the World Series, it's bad for baseball for the sport to be like this. I I was listening to an interesting podcast about a week ago. It was the Bill Simmons podcast, uh, the podfather there, and he had Theo Epstein on. Theo... Left the Cubs, obviously, everyone who knows about Theo Epstein, GM of the Red Sox for the 04, reversed the curse, um, reversed the curse in Chicago as well. Probably one of the best GMs in baseball history, if not the best. So Theo Epstein was on Bill Simmons' podcast, and now he's working in some advisor, like some advisory role with MLB where they're trying to see how they can grow the game. And basically they sent out, Theo was saying that they sent out poll, like surveys to a bunch of different baseball fans ranging in ages. Sadly, Greg and I were not included on this, this yeah, survey. Where, I don't know where my invite was in the mail, but I, I texted Theo Epstein and uh, he didn't get back to me. So I don't, I don't know why we didn't get that survey, but we now, we were, just to let you guys in a little secret, we were going to have him on the podcast next week, but because yeah. he didn't <laughs> include us in this, unfortunately, I mean, I hate, and I hate to make this decision without Josh, we're just going to move on from that and we're not going to do it. It's so. purely a personal grievance. And that is why Theo Epstein won't be on next week's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless. Um, so they had sent out these surveys and they were asking people, what were the most exciting things you see in a baseball game? And before home runs, Apparently, by a large number, he was saying how doubles and triples and stolen bases ranked largely above home runs and strikeouts and, and every basically possible you know what outcome about of that. It's two things. One thing is, like you just said, the fans know what they want. And then especially when they like get directly asked what they like to see, it's literally not what is already happening. So like you already know that like. What's on the field is not producing entertainment that you want. And then second of all, you have no other way to fix this 
besides baseball, for example, banning the shift uniformly. Because you can't just say to teams and start pressuring them not to use it because the minute one team uses it, they have an advantage, quote, over the rest of them. So, like, now you, it's too far, too far past the point of policing it on an individual level. You have to say nobody can use this anymore. What are you going to do, put lines on the field to make sure everybody stays between the bases and stuff? Like, I think it's stupid that they let it get this far. Keep baseball certain things. We have to keep baseball the way it was, right? You can change other things well, though, like things that make sense. Let's have a DH in both. I think leagues. to your point, like, like that's a thing that we could talk about. But I don't think you need to have it. So, that, like, why are we covering for every possible scenario of where a hitter is going to hit the ball? You're forcing them to hit it over the fence to, to stay in games. It's stupid. It cheapens the product. Well, to your point. I think that to your point there is, yeah, if you ban the shift and then you have somebody gets around the rules, I think you're seeing it happen in current time of Joe Madden and the Rays were early on, were early in on analytics. I mean, Oakland, obviously, with Moneyball and on base percentage, but on the defensive end of it and uh, pitching end of it, when Joe Madden had that edge, the Rays are going back to back. The Rays are a consistently a good, and the Rays to this day with Kevin Cash are consistently one of the better teams in baseball. But now you see Joe Madden left Tampa. Now he, he left Tampa. He's in Anaheim. I'm not going to call it Los Angeles. We've gone over this. He's in Anaheim. And they're an underwhelming team. They were an underwhelming team last year. When, the, when you lower the bar where everybody's at the same level and you take away that advantage, I think we're seeing in real time that managers like Joe Madden really aren't as good of managers as you would think they are. And I think that's the problem baseball is going to run into. It's either you have to make a universal change or you're going to continue to have this issue because then one person finds the edge and then the rest of baseball adapts to try and get back to that edge. And then we can reverse course over and over again. But what's really and maybe teams are becoming more efficient in the process. But the problem is the product on the field is becoming less exciting, less fun to watch. And as a baseball fan, it's just. It's sad to see because it's really making the game. And it's sad when I look at it and I look at you go on our bio. It says 2002 to 2005 or 2003 to 2005 is the greatest era in MLB history. We're your daily reminder. But sometimes, like I said that jokingly when I wrote that on our bio, but I kind of feel that way sometimes because it feels like that era of baseball is so far gone and the way baseball has moved can't come back. It can't because no team can play like that anymore. And still succeed. I liken, and it's it to, sad. I liken it to politics. It's the most annoying thing ever. Like you, you have these public discourse debates about like, you know, well, this is the way things are moving. We have to start adapting to new technologies and new ways of doing things. And or it's like business, right? Like, you know, if our competitors are doing it, we'd be stupid not to catch up and do it the same way, right? Like you have to do everything the most efficient possible way. But in the end, at the end of the day, you're screwing over the people that consume your product or whatever it is, because they're not excited about it anymore. So like you know, there has to be some sort of balance. Like, you, you can't just make me excited. Like, they, what, did, what did they honestly think? Did they, did they sit there and say, home runs from the steroid era were very exciting, so we're going to make baseball all about home runs? Did they really think that's what we wanted? Like, come on. Like, I, I well, that's the question, too, I have. It's of um, this year they started the season by saying that they're, they're, they deadened the ball a little bit. And they took, I, I guess, the day they, they, they made the they ball made a little bit easier to hit, right? Like, it was but, so stupid. Uh, they say it as if we forget that they were denying that they juiced the ball three years ago. I'm like, so, okay, so now we're just going to openly say you juiced the ball. And now you're kind of reducing that to an extent. 
So then where are we as a sport? And also, and this goes back into the steroid era, and this is where it's so hypocritical. It's you, If the league juices the ball, we're cool with it. But then when players are taking steroids, we're not okay with it. Now it's they've ruined the sport. They've tarnished history. We no, can no longer it's not compare. That, it's not that they're not okay with it. It's that our sponsors aren't okay with it. And you know that. Yeah, and like, it's money. And that's what I mean. It's, 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 yeah, I get it. It's a business. I'm not surprised. I'm just annoyed. Like, it's baseball. We all want to love it to death. And I still love baseball. But, like, you know, it's getting annoying with this stuff. Like, it's like, do we have to make everything a, a, a cutthroat business? To, come on. It very much is, and it's something I said on the trailer of this podcast of with the steroid era of Bud Selig always knew what was going on. Mark McGuire had steroid the, the steroids he was taking <laughs> were prominently displayed in his locker. Mike Piazza has openly said he took that same drug. Bud Selig knew this. This was not a secret. He only started to care when it affected his wallet, and that's when baseball decided they're going to care, and the Mitchell report happened, and everything happened, and we turned Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, A-Rod, we turned them into these villains to replace the fact that the commissioner never cared. And I'm not saying he had to, but don't flip and pretend that it was this issue. But to get back to what Theo Epstein was talking about, we kind of got far off of that point. Yeah, so he said doubles, triples, and stolen bases were – the favorite parts of what fans came to see in a game. But in the way modern baseball is right now, they're just, I think uh, I read a statistic the other day that teams are stealing bases and attempting stolen bases at the lowest rate. This this season, last season, we're seeing the lowest rate of triples and doubles hit. So we're moving further away from what fans actually want. And that is where, and I, I guess I didn't even bring this up beforehand. So I'm posing this question to you in real time, Greg, of I used to be so, and this is what I was getting to with, the get off my lawn baseball, I used to be very opposed to like changing too much. I originally was against instant replay because I figured, you know, there needs to be a human element. We've talked on this podcast how part of me is kind of against robot robot umpires because I think there needs to be some type of human element to the strike zone, even though we have guys like Angel Hernandez who are terrible. But at the same rate, there need you get rid of the human element and it's Again, we're losing part of what makes baseball fun. This is kind of the charm of baseball. There is a human, there's, there is a human element to baseball that you don't have in other sports. It directly affects the play on the field. But I'm starting to think that moving the mound back is actually what you need to do because I, I think it's the only way you get away from what's happening: home runs and strikeouts. I think it's the only way we get a kind of you more of a regression to the you mean. You people out there listening to us can't see me shaking my head yes right now, but surprisingly, I'm agreeing with that because you know what? I'm, we're not. I mean, obviously, we're not saying put the mound back to second base, but like, can you move it back a foot or two? Like, why does? I mean, I get it: sixty foot, six inches, whatever. Like, we have to keep it the same throughout history. Right, but times are changing. Why are we picking and choosing what things we change and what things we don't? Like, like if we want to adapt fully, if you think about the implications, if you move that mound back like a couple, like a foot, right? People get st- these pitchers that are coming up today that are being taught to blow their arms out for two years, right? They can still throw hard if they have late movement on their pitches. Those pitch movements will still be accentuated as they get further and further across the strike zone, but. The batter will have more reaction time to the ball, however quick that is. And they're major league hitters. So, like, a couple of milliseconds matters, right? So, if you move the mound back just a little bit, they have more time to react to the ball, to react to the movement on the ball. But it makes them better hitters, but it also gives pitchers that know how to control the strike sound better pitchers. 
But we can't just keep putting pitchers with such stronger arms and velocities so close to batters. It's not 1901 anymore. Like, there's certain things we need to adjust, but certain things that we're just – baseball is just saying, well, we have to keep it that way for the sake of the game. But here's this replay. Like, I, I don't, I don't well, get that. Like, I also don't even understand the idea of – it seems like there is such a huge effort on the part of – Old fans of baseball, old men in baseball, and the, so to speak, hierarchy and like upper tier of of Major League Baseball to kind of preserve this baseball history where we can compare modern day to 1920, 1930. You can compare the whole beauty of baseball is that you can compare Joey Gallo to Babe Ruth. But here's the thing. You can't. Why are we still putting on this facade that you could compare 2021's baseball to 1950 baseball? Why are we still... Can you compare anything in this world? Can you take any present day event and compare it to something directly to something that happened? Do Carmat... Does does Ford sit around and say, hey, how are we building cards compared to how Henry Ford was when he figured out the assembly line? No, because it's a ridiculous thing to talk about. I love Ted Williams and Cap Anson as much as the next guy, but, like, can we we move on? Like, certain things need to change. That's one thing, right? I think that moving the mound back would be a good idea. The second thing, universal DH. It sounds like a no-brainer, but, like, let's... I think that's coming next year. I think the only reason we don't have that right now, we had it last year, we don't have it now, and the only reason is because of it's, it's because baseball has by far the worst relationship between the Players Association and the league out of everyone, so There's they're not going to give the strike. max. Honestly, yeah. if you ask me right now, do I think we're going to see baseball next year? I'm going to say probably not. We might go on strike the whole season. Like, <laughs> like they're I, not going to have a good time. There's such a toxic like, relationship there that they won't give. And it's not on the Players Association's fault, but no. it, it, on the side, it's ownership has screwed them over enough times where they're not going to give them X. They feel if they give them a DH, then they're going to take away value from bench players. And then it's, I mean, look what happens every year. Now we've gone to spring training, and some of the best free agents aren't don't have contracts yet because teams are. Uh, when Kevin Mather, the Mariners' G, uh, president that got fired, was openly telling a Rotary Club in Seattle, a Rotary Club in Seattle, not even like inside, he's openly talking about how they're the just waiting people up. <laughs> he's just openly waiting out. They're openly waiting out free agents so that they can give them less money at the end of the free end of the off season and basically screwing these guys over because they don't they view them as assets and I get it's a business but if that's the case how do you how do you expect the MOBPA to act any differently than they do but this is getting away from the point of baseball needs to evolve with the times I don't understand why we are so stuck on the idea that we need to be comparable to 1920 football for all of its issues has learned to adapt with the times. Football's on every day of the week. If football had decided to only stay on Sunday, what they realize, oh, we're going to lose money that way. Guess what? Now you have Monday night football, Thursday night football, Saturdays on uh, Saturdays during the playoffs. I think they started expanding to Saturdays during the season. They added another week. You're going to have football every day of the week now. I mean, every sport seems to be adapting, but baseball, the NBA, we can go into for hours about how the NBA is. The NBA just started up. The NBA is trying to do an in-season tournament and is starting a play-in tournament purely because they know that's what the fans want. Well, they, they know nobody cares about the regular season, so they want to have the playoffs to be more exciting. Hey, you know what? It works. But baseball, it's like, well, we're going to have these 162 games, which I think is fantastic. 
that you could put on, you know, you could either put on your TV or go to the ballpark. And from April to September, you know what you're in for, right? That's great. Harness that. Make everything exciting. Focus on the weekend series. Like, make, make, like do something to draw fans in all the time and not just oh, uh, people like home runs, I think, right, guys? So, like, let's make all the teams try to start pushing towards doing that. It's not like it used to be. Baseball is more exciting when you're not just looking for home runs. Baseball is more exciting when you get the triple, you get the double, you get the stolen base, you have two men on, two outs. What's going to happen? Oh, a single down the right field line. Now two guys score. The rally's still going. Rallies are fun. Home runs are fun when they happen in the moment. Home runs aren't fun when it's like the only thing you're waiting on. And that's what baseball's losing. Sometimes you can get you can get right into a game if you're watching like the Dodgers and the Padres and it's two to one in the eighth and Tatis sets up to the plate and you know it, it's just, it's an exciting tense moment. He doesn't need to hit a home run to do something big. All he needs is a double or a single or he could chop it to the pitcher and he can throw it over the catcher's head and the guy can score, right? Like like there's so many other ways for baseball to be exciting and they're just focusing on stupid stuff in my opinion. It's in part of me wonders and and I'll get off my soapbox soon, but part of me <laughs> wonders part of me wonders if it's also the way baseball is covered as a sport and uh, there's plenty of great journalists that cover the sport not going to start picking a people. But something that I do notice and we are from the tri-state area so I am going to I apologize to anyone not from the tri-state area listening to this because we talk about things that we're seeing in real time, but it is what I can draw from just by my own personal experience. But I'm looking at right now, the Mets are at a seven-game win streak. The Yankees have turned around. They're two of the hottest teams in baseball. And instead of focusing on that, we're going to have a summer of great baseball in New York. Like these are, this is the biggest city in the country, and you're going to have the two teams in the city are going to be going, should be going, have it playing great baseball all, all summer. Possibly could go head to head at the end of this whole thing. We're talking about like stupidity, like is it a rabbit or raccoon or rat or raccoon in the Mets dugout? <laughs> we're talking about stupid nonsense, and they're talking about the like it's the LOL Mets. Let's insult them. Let's talk about Yankee. Like it's. Nonsense! Don't focus on stupidity. Don't go for tabloids. Click. Go. Don't go for clickbait. Go for what's good that's actually happening. You have good baseball going on in the sport right now, and we're just ignoring you to talk about stupid clickbait so that you could get a little bit more, so people view your articles a bit more. And I get it. This is journalism as much of a is as much of a business as a sport is, but the way baseball has started to get covered on that end. It's no surprise that young fans don't want to watch it. No, because you because know what? You just said you only, the Mets. It only highlights the it only highlights the negatives, and it never highlights what's actually fun about. You just baseball. turned the Met, You just talked about the Mets. Oh, the Mets turned it around. The Mets are doing great. They're on a hot winning streak. You know what ESPN has to say about that? Well, I guess uh, they're doing better now because they fired their hitting coach. Is that what yeah. we're talking about? I saw like, a statistic the other day. They're the like the Mets. Mets are four and one since they. F- <laughs> I saw a statistic the other day. The Mets are four and one since they fired Chili Davis. Like, shut okay, up. you know what? Like, think about it. The '98 Yankees, the the '01 Mariners. They won what 114 games, 116 yeah. games. Do you know either of those teams' hitting coaches? You're a Yankee fan. No, nobody does because you shouldn't because they're not that valuable. But then we're sitting here and we're talking, we're debating if Chili Davis is the reason the Mets are now winning ballgames. No. Why don't we just talk about what's going on on the field? Why don't we just talk about the good things? Bring up the positives in this sport. There's guys who are really doing – Jeff Passan on ESPN is great. That guy, 
You watch him and he actually talks about things that you could tell he's a fan first and he's actually excited by things. Tim Kirkshin, that guy has been around forever. Peter Gammons, forever. Those guys talk about what makes baseball beautiful. But you have too many journalists now that are just talking about everything negative and then you wonder, why would fans not want to watch anymore? Because... The good things about baseball, the things that made me fall in love with baseball when I was a kid, the things that made you fall in love with baseball, we don't highlight that anymore. We just highlight the fact that it's slow, that should we put a pitch clock on it? And these are valid questions, but these questions wouldn't... There's a reason these questions weren't prevalent in 04. It's because the on-field product was better, and I honestly believe as... As fans, we viewed the sport differently. But once we started to nitpick and we got deeper into this and clickbait became more of a thing with internet with where everybody had a blog. And I mean, you, this is coming from a guy who has a podcast from, a podcast <laughs> from his apartment. Everybody has an outlet to talk, talk about baseball. That is truthful. I am a pro, we, This podcast is a product of that. But at the same extent, to the same extent, we're taking away... From what makes baseball fun. Growing up, growing up, going to a baseball game, and I still even have that instinct today, I never wanted to leave. It was so exciting. Yeah. Like, like I still feel that way to some extent. Like, when you're, at, when you're at the ballpark, like, there's so much going on around you. There's so much going on in the game you can observe and and be there and not have to listen to that garbage you're hearing from ESPN announcers talking about, you know, pretending they're Skip Bayless and talking about the most ridiculous commentary you could possibly think of on Chili Davis's hitting attributes. Like, like oh, well, he's not a... Teaching our guy is the best way he can be, or, or like, what are you, what are you talking about? Why aren't we focusing on the teams? Like we mentioned on this podcast during our home run, our long ball derby thing, you know, some of the picks we had for guys we believed in to hit a lot of home runs. We were talking about Pete Alonso. We're talking about Giancarlo Stanton, right? We were saying things like we are looking forward to a home run race in New York City this summer. Because we think it could happen with Judge, with Stanton, with Alonzo. Imagine the MLB and the media cared enough to cover something like that. Hype that up. You want your home runs? Hype that up. But no, we're That's talking about, uh, well, the Yankees aren't hitting as optimally as they could be right now. Um, and do you think it's Aaron Boone's fault for uh, not utilizing the shift enough? Like, like, no, I That's think it's because the Yankees suck. Like, like, you have a right to be critical of your team. You have a right to be critical of the the teams that play. And as a journalist, that is literally your job. But to a certain extent, can we start promoting the league more than we do? Yes. Because there's a reason that it's undeniable that baseball. If you look at the four major sports. Everyone is headed in a certain direction. The NBA is more popular than it's ever been. The foot NFL is as popular of a, NFL. This country breathes off of NFL football. Hockey just booked a deal with TNT and ESPN. So looking up baseball. Yes. Baseball is on ESPN. Baseball renewed their deal with ESPN, but it's the only sport you can look at that is actually trending in the wrong direction. And we're trying to pick up the pieces and figure it out. Baseball is at a crossroads here. It's a crucial point in the sport where we can go one way or another and we can, as a sport, we can grow and adapt to the modern age or we could continue to try and be, and that is where I was making fun of myself early on, we could continue to be old men on my, get off my lawn and, and, and stay stagnant. 
And if you do that, then baseball is going to go the way of many other sports like boxing or boxing did it for many other reasons, but go the way of many other sports and will slowly lose its hold on it and will slowly lose the impact that it has on our country as a whole and as on young fans. I don't have a young child, so I don't know what kids are interested in these days. I remember when I was in high school, people want to play lacrosse, people want to play this. When I was a kid, the only sport people wanted to play in the spring was baseball. baseball. And I just doesn't feel like that is the way things go anymore. And I think that's because what about Baseball, are we do- what are we doing about baseball to make it more interesting? And if we go into even deeper, but there are positive things happening. MLB The Show, as stupid as it sounds, like a video game could help grow the game. NBA 2K helped NBA grow as much as anything. Yeah, you're Twitch right. Has, Twitch is as impactful of a media outlet as anything out there right now. So MLB The Show coming to all platforms, being free on Xbox, and becoming one of these major games is huge if you want to grow the sport with the youth and it's smart that major league baseball pressured san diego studios to do that it's moves like that that need to keep happening and to me moving back the mound i don't know if you have to if you move back the mound i don't think you need to get rid of the shift but i think there are ways to fix the shift if they went that route all i'm saying is that instead of spending time villainize making villains out of the home run races in 2003 and the home and the steroid era and saying how everything needs to be comparable why don't we focus more on how we grow this game and move forward as a sport amen and i think that's where we need to stop before i blow a gasket yeah, I think so. let's give it a little bit of a minute to fresh yeah, to breathe i need to recollect our thoughts and i'm still I'm, I'm really <laughs> i'm still really dying to hear what josh has to say about this Josh's legs are cramping because he's on his soapbox, too. All right, we'll be back after this short message. All right, guys, thank you for listening so far. Still don't have any sponsors, but we wanted to give a shout-out to our guy, Dustin, and his project, Paste. He does all the music for this podcast. We really appreciate it, and his EP is great. You can follow him on Instagram, Spotify, Bandcamp, anywhere you can get music, at PasteBandNJ. It's really great, and you'll love it. And now, back to the pod. And we're back. Edwin Diaz <laughs> and the New York Mets are the hottest team in baseball. Seven-game win streak. Lindor is back. The Mets are going to win the World Series. That was a lot of people cheering and, and clapping for that one. Yeah, you, you, you really got them going with that. I'm sorry. You better that the Mets are back. You the week after you put the Mets at 16 in the power rankings and the Royals at 11. The Royals haven't. I don't even think the Royals have won a game since we released the power rankings episode. And on the flip side, the Mets have yet to lose one. So again, to your negativity, you know what I say, Greg? You know what I say to that? What? Let's go Mets. Donnie Stevenson, baby. The eighteen and thirteen, the eighteen and thirteen world. Yeah, it's like you just said that. Like that's not an impressive record. Like that's like one of the best records in baseball. There, there are literally like let's say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There are thirteen teams with more wins than the Mets right now. Okay, but the Mets got killed because <laughs> of COVID, because of COVID and rescheduling. The Mets haven't played as many games as everybody else. Doesn't Win percentage-wise, I can't imagine. That doesn't matter because the, you just don't want to admit that the Mets are one of the hottest teams in baseball, and that's fine. 
Good thing is, for all you fans listening here, I have Greg's power rankings on May 4th, 2021, standing right here where he has the Mets at 16, and he tried to talk me down from putting the Mets at 11. And I would put the Mets higher right now because, again, and I say it, one more time for all the people in the back, a little bit louder for the people in the back. The Mets are the hottest team in baseball. It was a raccoon. We don't care. We just keep winning. No big deal. Donald Smith is back. It is It is May. It is May 13th. Even the, even the last place team in the American League, the Tigers and the Minnesota Twins even, are seven and a half games out of the wild card. That is not insurmountable. I don't care what happens until August. I, I don't. Hottest team in baseball. That's all I know. Anyway, over the past couple of days, we put up a few Q&As on the account, and we got a great uh, feedback from you guys, sent in a lot of good questions. We decided we picked three or four questions that we got from you guys that we thought were fun, and we're going to answer them. So thank you again. Thank you for listening, obviously. And without further ado, Greg, let's get right to it. Question number one, and it comes from Kyle Hansen 47. Kyle, Kyle comments in a lot of our posts. Good dude. I think he's a Nationals fan. Good guy. Uh, I think he DM'd the account once, told us he's a Nationals fan. Um, Kyle, thank you for the question. Go Nats. What city do you want to see an expansion franchise in? I like this question. And my answer here is... Sadly, Kyle, I didn't plan this, I swear. The city that you stole the team from, Montreal. Uh, I don't wow. really understand why. Yeah, I don't really. I, I just read a whole book on the how the Expos came to be a team and how Montreal, it was basically the start of the Expos. It was, honestly, it was a history of the Montreal Expos. It's a great book. And the more you read it, the more you start to question. It was bad ownership that got the Expos out of Montreal but why did Mont- why did the team- they should have never lost their team to begin with? Um, I think that's a market. Canada as a market is by in in American sports it's really untapped for some weird reason. We shouldn't just have one sport for an entire one team for an entire country. Montreal, the Expos were a fun team. There was a fun atmosphere. I think you could refurbish that stadium, rebuild that team, whatever you need to do. And I think baseball is better when you expand globally. And I guess Canada is still within the same continent, but I think it would be more fun if you got a team back in Montreal. I I think that's a good idea, but I'm thinking a different lens with that question. Let's put a team down in Nashville, man. Like there's there's a significant like can we get a team that's not in the northeastern or mid Atlantic United States, please? Like I love the Yankees, but like can we can we start like let's let's bring some baseball down south. Like what do we got down there? Florida? Like the Marlins. Yeah, no, I, like, I agree like, with you. What, Nashville's an exciting city. The Predators were kind of good a couple of years ago, but it's bringing <laughs> focus. <laughs> it's bringing focus back to the city a little bit, right? We, it, it's a very exciting area. A lot of young people are flocking down to Nashville. Yeah, no, it's a you young know, area. Tennessee it's a fun Titans area. It's are a great city. You know, you, you have a lot of sports there that are doing very well, especially lately. You have some stars you can market. Derrick Henry's huge. Like, like you have. You know, imagine having a baseball team right down in Nashville. There's a lot of potential there for for good times, and I think it's a good way to outreach your southern market a little bit. I think Nashville will be a good place for a baseball team. 
I, I agree. I think the issue you run into, because my the two teams that came up behind Montreal for me were, the two cities, I should say, were Montreal, it was Montreal, Nashville, and Charlotte. And I think the issue you have with those cities down when you get further south is that minor league baseball has a bigger um, has more teams once the further south you get. I know for Charlotte, I think the Charlotte Knights are literally the most popular yeah. minor league baseball team in baseball. Um, but these are great. These could be major league cities. And I agree with you. I, I think part of me is sad because I don't want to start taking minor league towns have a special feel to them. And I think minor league baseball is necessary and can be very fun for smaller cities. Um, but I think Nashville, Charlotte, Montreal, which doesn't have a minor league team, I think these are cities that can support a big, t- a major league team and should be able to. And I think uh, going into our conversation from before this, before the break, I think adding a team to the league would actually help expand the league as a whole, like grow the league as a whole. And I think that's why you're seeing more of a push to it for it from Rob Manfred and all the higher ups in Major League Baseball right now. Do you think the do you think uh, that void will be filled by the uh, Oakland Athletics going somewhere new, or do you think well they're going to move? Do you, do you think so do they, you think that's just back talk? Do you think that they're just going to? I think that they're as doing leverage? that to put pressure. I think they're doing that to put pressure on City Council to give yeah. them a, a stadium deal. And I don't know who's more inept. I don't know much about Oakland City politics, but if you're going to lose three. I've gone on this Paul oh, this podcast many times and said how little I think of the Oakland A's ownership group. But between the, regardless of that, no matter how inept they are or how cheap they are, if you're gonna as a city, you're gonna have three major league team, major sports teams. You're gonna have the Raiders, you're gonna have the Warriors, and you're gonna have the A's all leave Oakland. What are you even doing? Like, what are you doing? The it's not fair to the fans. It's so I I would hope that the Oakland that the, the A's are just using this as a power push to kind of get their stadium deal but if the A's actually end up moving and they end up in a place like Las Vegas that's a loss for the sport that's a loss for the city of Oakland and I feel bad uh, just so let me interject here before we move on to the next question uh, I just wanted to say Matt Chapman um, just because we talked about Oakland and we've said his name every podcast so I wanted to make sure we didn't miss it you know so I was yeah really, no just well, I me, to make sure we kept the streak alive yeah well, sadly, you, I, you kind of beat me to it. I was getting ready to throw that at the end there, but I'm happy that he got brought up beforehand. <laughs> Matt, hope you're listening. Come on the pod whenever you want. You can literally open invite. All right, next question comes from at smiles underscore E. It's actually smiles with a one, so it's SM1less underscore E, smiles E. Uh they ask, great question. The Dodgers lost Beltre and Pedro. Which departure hurt the organization Adrian more? Adrian Beltre so, and Pedro. Wow. Yeah. So just for context, the after the 2003 season, so for 2004, Adrian Beltre signed with the Seattle Mariners. And I believe it was after 1998, Pedro Martinez was in a contract dispute with Los Angeles, and they traded him to team we were just talking about, the Montreal Expos, for Delino DeShields Sr. Um which t which departure hurt the organization more? I gotta say Pedro because I philosophically believe pitching wins championships, and Pedro was one of the best pitchers of our generation. I hate so anytime to agree you lose with it, you, but and I hated saying that because I love Adrian Beltre a lot more than I love Pedro. Yeah, hundred percent. I hate Pedro. No, not Pedro was like the bait of my existence for a long time when I was growing up. You know, Red Sox. I thought, he, but he thought he thought the Yankees were his daddy. Listen, How can he be the bane of your existence? I, 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 
He that was a thing. He said that, and we got him one time. But I don't forget those many years where all he would do is just destroy our team. Like, and Adrian Beltre, y- y- you can't get me wrong. Like he he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's one of the most consistent hitters of all time. Certainly one of the best hitters of that generation that he played in. You know, um, and we everyone loves Adrian Beltre, but but Pedro. I think just had that extra element. Like he won and he was impactful. He, you know, was part of those monstrous runs by the Red Sox. All he ever did was pitch in high leverage, important situations. And just the movement on his pitches was absolutely un- ungodly. Like I, 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 you have to pick Pedro pitching is so important in an era Especially Pitching that we were wins. leaving of the steroid era with people that could hit the ball for a mile, and you'd have pitchers come out there and just dominate. Like, well, that was the point I was going to make. Pitching not only wins championships. Pedro was pitching literally in the prime of a steroid era, and he's pitching like Barry literally. Bonds, and like you know, like sincerely, he's Pedro to this day is one of the best pitchers I've ever watched. Pitching is so vital to a good team. Um, yeah, anytime you lose a generational talent at the bump. I think that automatically, I don't think you need to be, unless it's like Mike Trout on the other end, you need to be really good uh, for that to not be as big of a loss as it is. I mean, the Mets traded away Scott Casimir to get Victor Zambrano in 2003. (laughs) Scott Casimir had a good career. He was an all-star. He was fine. Mets fans still are upset about that because anytime you lose a top-of-the-rotation starter in the prime of his career, and that was before he even made his debut, you're like, there was just so much potential with this that we just threw away. So as good as Adrian Beltre is, Pedro is one of the best pitchers of this generation. And anytime you lose that, you, like if I compared, maybe I'm off base here, but what if I compared Adrian Beltre to Scott Rowland for you? Which one would you? I think take? I, I would. Well, Adrian Beltre. I think Adrian Beltre is more of a lock of a Hall of Fame. I think Scott Rowland's case is probably like on the borderline. Right, but if you had either of them, you would be fine. Right at third base. Yeah, that was. I think the point. Right. And I, I tell me if I'm wrong. Is the point you're trying to make of a third baseman? If you have a third baseman who's who's hitting 300, if you mm. have another third, but if you replace him with a third baseman who's hitting 280 and maybe has 10 less home runs and 20 less RBIs, that you can you can eat that impact. But if you have a pitcher who's, if you have Degrom or you have Pedro, and now you're replacing Pedro with. Zach Wheeler, uh, I like, don't, yeah, like, you know, like, even if it's a good pitcher, yeah, a good two star, Zach Wheeler, Derek Lowe, um, Esteban Luiza. If you're comparing it with the most, switching them out with these guys, there's a legit drop off. Think that you about cannot what kind overcome. of pitching the Red Sox had back in 04. Think about that. That's Pedro Schilling, Derek Lowe, Bronson Arroyo, Tim Wakefield. Wow, I just nailed that. That was off the top of my head. Imagine just imagine, and then and then think about. Garrett Cole, Corey Kluber, Jameson Tyone. Like, they're not winning. You can anything. point. Like, like, come on. Any, uh, go look at the 2015 Mets. Any team that – the 2015 Mets is the team that comes to mind to me, not because I'm a Mets fan, because of how bad they were outside of their rotation. And they went to the World Series purely – the Royals that year were in the World Series. As good of a team as, as, good as, of a team as they were, they were there because of their rotation and, and their bullpen. Even, even when you have the pitching. It's even hard sometimes. You need to have everything. Well, but, like, if you don't have it, you're screwed. The Phillies, 2011, they had Halliday, Cliff Lee, Cole Hamels. Who else? Like, like my favorite were, were Roy Oswald. Was that, oh my was God. that his yeah, year? Yeah, both of them. Yeah. yeah. 
That was Roy Oswald. And they Ro- still didn't win Roy Holiday. <laughs> yeah, Joe Blanton. Um, yeah, no, it was nuts. And, and Brad Lidge was their closer. Yeah. I think my favorite revisionist history that we've had in baseball, and you could thank Brad Pitt for this one, was as much as I love, and I just talked about how much I like the A's, and I love, uh, I love Moneyball as a book and as a movie. We talk about the Oakland A's like they were this ragtag bunch that won 21 games out of nowhere, made the playoffs out of nowhere. We're forgetting that their rotation was led by Barry Zito, Mark Mulder, and Tim Hudson. <laughs> like, three of the best pitchers of that era. That was why the A's were winning. Billy Coke was their closer. Like, they were legitimately one of the best teams the in Giambi baseball. Brothers because they're for a little bit. Well, <laughs> at, that point, at that point, Jason was gone. But it's Chavez just one of the was still point. there. Chavez was there, Miguel yeah. Tejada was there. But my point is exactly in this is the it is in practice what we're saying. They replaced Jason Giambi, Johnny Damon, and there's somebody I'm missing, but they released Jason Giambi and Johnny Damon with Scott Hatterberg, David Justice, and whoever else they were throwing in the outfield. The only reason you were able to do that, you can get back to replacement level hitters, but if they had replaced, if that same situation, if they had Jason Giambi and Johnny Damon, but had lost Zito, Mulder, and Tim Hudson, they were not going to win anything because pitching gets you where you need to go in baseball. So um, to answer this, that's a long-winded way to say, yes, I think we're both on the side that Pedro Martinez hurt the Dodgers more by losing them. Mm -hmm. But the Dodgers just won the World Series, so I don't think Dodgers fans have much to cry about. All right, next question comes from at. This is going to be fun the more we do this because I don't know how to say some of these names. <laughs> at Oss underscore Ite. Oss Ite is. I'm going to guess his name is Austin and he's doing Ite. Austin, <laughs> I think that's Austin's where we're going. All right. Well, Austin, I hope you're doing better than Ite today. Uh, I hope you're doing well. Anyway, he says he threw me a hot take because I asked for questions or hot takes. So I appreciated this one. And it's a hot one. Yadier Molina is not a Hall of Famer. He's had two Hall of Fame-worthy seasons and a bunch of okay to good ones. I don't well, like, listen, I, lo- I, I love Yadier Molina. Come on. Like, he, he's a legend in St. Louis, and he's, you know, don't disrespect the man. But if you want to get into it, you know, let's look at a couple of the facts. Has he had a million amazing seasons? By certain standards, he has. He has four platinum gloves, whatever that means. Nine gold gloves, nine-time All-Star. He has two rings. He has a silver slugger award. He has longevity. Like, how many catchers do you know that play so many? T- like, he, I don't think he's missed a game, in, like, other than normal, like, rest starts and stuff like that. Well, ever since I, he started. I saw it. When I pulled up his baseball reference when I read this, I was like, let me look at this. I saw that from – so just – to your point, from 2009 to 2013, mm-hmm. this is games played at a catcher. 140, 136, 139, 138, 136. That is absurd. He's an all-star and a gold glover in every one of those seasons. And in 2013, he also won a silver slugger. Like, right. Absurd. He's one of the most consistent hitting catchers as well. He has a 281 career hitter. He's... There was a few years there, mid to mid like 2011, 12, 13, like he was sitting three hundred every year, like for a long time, and he, even to even to this day, right now he's sitting two ninety six. Like he Man. is the a leader on that team. He's every he's a consummate baseball player, everything you'd want in a guy. Now, do you want to talk about Hall of Fame? I would say to you, 
I think he's I think he's on the fence. I don't know if he gets in. I his well, stats are good, but there has been better. We we've come to love him because he's been such a big player the time we've been alive and we've grew up watching him and he's still kicking ass in St. Louis and he's 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 everything you want a player to be. He's he's a lifer. He's with the team forever. The fans love him. All they do is buy his merch. They look up to him. He's a great you know great guy. Great everything. But there've been better hitting catchers that are in the Hall of Fame. There've been better players that have been in the Hall of Fame. You, you can't just look at one thing. His career war is in the forties. It's good. That's what I was gonna get to. Like yeah. it's well, that's where where we're looking at it of like. Yeah, career war, they usually say the barometer, that, that line for a Hall of Famer is 60 for a career war. And his is 41.2. Kenny Lofton didn't get in, because, and his career war was over 60, and we can argue about that nonstop. But I think the issue you run into with Yachty is, okay, so you got nine-time All-Star, nine-time Gold Glove, four-time Platinum Glove, which is nuts, two-time World Series, one Silver Slugger. Yes, I, I get where... This question comes from you watch Yachty. It's not you, you and you. If someone told you Yachty or Molina, if you never watched baseball before, and you're like, "Hey, go look at Yachty or Molina. He's one of the best players in baseball." You're like, "This is it." It's really not anything that's exciting, but that is more of a product of the position he plays. And I think to that, that adds to why I think he is a Hall of Famer, and I think it's a guarantee he's a Hall of Famer. He plays a premium position, a difficult decision, and he's playing it in a time period where I think since that era of where Piazza left, between him and Posey, they've been the only two, him, Posey, Real Muto, have been the three greatest catchers we've seen in that era, but it has been a long period where we haven't had, there's been a real drought in good catchers in baseball. He's playing a position that you usually don't get this two-sided talent from, uh, where he can do it on both ends of the ball. To me... He was clearly, if not the best catcher in baseball, the number two best catcher in baseball to Buster Posey, who's also a future Hall of Famer, for at least a decade or so. I think, to me, Yachty is a no-doubt Hall of Famer. Even I think, with, I get, I get where this question comes from, I still think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's, at this moment in time, on the cusp, on, you know, and I would love to have him be a breakaway Hall of Famer. I don't know what he. It's not like he has much more to prove to put him over the edge. It's more my thinking is a commentary on Major League Baseball writers and, and these clowns that put whoever they feel like into the Hall of Fame. Are they gonna Are they gonna make him Hall of Famer? Like that's like the, the perfect point that you just said. Like if you ask somebody who didn't know baseball or someone who does know baseball, what do you think of Yadier Molina? Instantly, that's what I go to. He's all famer. He's one of the best catchers I've ever watched. But I don't know if that's going to be enough to get him in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. It's going to be. I real think close. so. And the Hall of Fame voting system is so broken at this point that he's well liked enough by the the writers in baseball that I I don't think he's even going to have a particularly hard time getting into the Hall of Fame. I, I think he deserves to be there. Um, I, I don't know if you'll find many people who will say he doesn't, but that is why this is a hot take, and that's why I appreciate it. And I think it's a good question. But um, to me, he's a Hall of Famer. Where, where do you final answer is Yadier Molina a Hall of Famer? I will lean yes, but he's not going to be first ballot, and it's not his fault. It's the baseball writer's fault. So you go the other way? You think the baseball writers are going to keep him out? Yeah. 
I, I, don't I think trust it's them the flip. For, it's a joke. The, the, the Hall of Fame is a sham in the voting process right now. I agree. And I think I, that I think eventually it will prevail that Yachty, you know, he's done enough for the game and he's never been embroiled in controversy. So I feel like the the MLB will say, well, we'll let you in, but you don't hit our threshold for um, 65 wins above replacement. So we'll let you in a couple of years. Like, okay. <laughs> well, if you want to revise your nerd voice, it's 60 wins above replacement, not 65. <laughs> no, I... I, I <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, saying the, I'm the just kind of playing more to the hypocrisy of, you know, it could change tomorrow what they decide. So uh, I would say I hope he gets in. I, I If I had a vote, I would vote for him. But does he get in? I, I Trying to be realistic, I don't know if he gets in right away. I don't know. I don't believe it. Baseball, uh, the Hall of Fame voting process is broken. I have said, I don't know if I've said this on this podcast, but I've said it to many people. I will not go to Cooperstown until Barry Bonds is in the Hall of Fame. Won't go. Because it's not a Hall of Fame. It's just a Hall of people that the baseball writers like, and yeah. I'm not there to support it. Anyway, that's not about Yachty. That's just – you can tattoo that to my face. Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> next question. Uh, next question comes from a, a man near and dear to us. I'm not going to say his Instagram full Instagram handle because his whole name is included in it. So I will, I will give him – I will help him out there. Uh, our good friend Marco <laughs> writes, Jerry Kalenic will save my fantasy season – uh, this isn't really a question. I just threw this in at the end here because we were only going to take three questions. And I'd like to say, no, Marco, Jared Kalenic will not save your fantasy season. Uh, you spent $115 on Marcelo Zuna, and that has not worked out as, as of yet. Uh, I will continue to send you trade offers for Bryce Harper, though. And hopefully one day you will finally give him to me. Louis Trevino uh, is available. I'm looking at his team. I don't know if – I mean, okay, it hurts that Tatis is, is out, but, you know uh, – his pitching isn't inspired. All I see here is Lucas Giolito. Give me some of those names. Who's the guy on the staff? Let the fans know. Uh, he has Carlos Rodon day-to-day. Okay, he has Brandon Woodruff. Max Freed has not been able to get a handle on his himself this year that much. No, he has um, not. He had a lot of poor outings to start the year. He's, he's coming into his own a little bit, but... You know, let's it's it's it's, it's May. <laughs> let's 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 get around to it, buddy. Um, Ian Anderson, Pablo Lopez like on the Anderson. Marlins, Hector Neris, the most the most inconsistent reliever of all time. Marco's team is good, and I, I don't. That's why I'm kind of concerned. Where Marco's saying his team is going, he needs Jericho Lang to save it. He's got Carson Kelly, he's got Jose Breu, Whit Merrifield, uh, Jose Altuve, Bryce Harper. Marcelo Zuna, he picked up for what was it, hundred and thirteen? Thirteen dollars. Yeah. Apologies. Hey, you know what? I like Nelson you know what, Cruz. You know what pains me. Tatis. What pains me to see is that after our big trade, including Kyle Schwarber, he has him sitting on the bench tonight with one home run and two RBIs. That would help you out there, Marco. You want to know what's really saving, not saving season? You're starting Jerry Klenick over Kyle Schwarber. Come on, come on, man. Well, you know, there's certain teams that they say are cursed that when they trade away players, like the Mets, they've always said that the Mets trade away players and they immediately become good. I have a saying with Greg, when he trades away players, they start off bad and then they continue to get worse. (laughs) Anyway, I think that's a good point to stop our podcast. (laughs) I think that's a good way to end it. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of you who sent in these questions. Rachel Bilson will be joining us next week. A happy Marmalade host to you and your family. Greg, say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody, and thank you, Josh, for all of your commentary today. Appreciate it, man. Josh, get us out of here. Give the people what they want. <laughs>